0: What is up, everybody? Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into the podcast. It means the world to me, but what else would mean the world to me is if right now, if you're listening to this, do me a favor, go to the Spotify app, click subscribe, click the stars, give me a good review. I'm really pushing hard for a few reasons that I'll share with you guys in the next few episodes, but if you're a follower, listener of this podcast, or just for some random reason you stumbled upon it today, do me the biggest favor. If it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to this, go click the subscribe button and show some support. And for an added bonus, share it with some friends. Really, really uh, would be grateful for you guys to do that. My guest today is a former guest of the show. He's a friend of mine. He's a singer and a songwriter who currently lives in Austin, Texas. And his new EP, "Singing, Pickin' Cowboy, was released. And I wanted to talk to him about that EP. I wanted to talk to him about the songwriting process and just what he's been up to. We bookended the conversation with some kind of small talk around what's been happening in Texas and really around the world. But for the most part, this conversation was about music. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Give it up for my friend, J.D. Casper. <laughs> what's happening
1: buddy dude i'm i'm not up to much just uh getting back into the swing of things down here uh atx um my buddy chad got married the other day so took the weekend off of the grind and just brought in the moment with him and yeah man just kind of getting
0: back in the swing of things oh fabulous feel like I just saw you, but it's been... Yeah, um, that was over uh, over the summer. Yeah, yeah. lots lot's been happening with you. I want to talk about the album and everything, but, I mean, you're down in Texas, so I can't not start things off with asking, are you stocked up on canned goods? Are you stocked up on ammunition? Like, what's the temperature? Because I turn on the television, Jake, and I don't know if I'm just watching some new nbc tv show or if i'm actually watching the news and i like i'm trying to be really measured about buying into everything hook line sinker because quite honestly i feel like opinions and viewpoints have shifted so much and what used to be that's why you can't align yourself with left or right because if you were somebody who was a liberal because you didn't like war you fucking fall asleep and you wake up and now all of a sudden you're dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the Ukraine. Yeah.
1: And if you're not into that, then you're a racist.
0: So, yeah, I hear Texas is like being overrun. And is it any different since the last time I've been down there since you moved there or is it really not dude?
1: So Texas is, it's, it's, I feel like it's always going to be Texas because if it ever turns blue, it's just simply from the three, or four major cities, you know, uh, Houston, Dallas, uh, Austin, San Antonio area. So it, it, the outskirts will always be true in native Texas, but yeah, I mean, COVID happened. It brought, it brought the, the liberal work from home tech bros from San Francisco and, in Los Angeles to uh to Austin particularly and they brought their they brought their same old game you know they brought their they they want they wanted the lower taxes but they want to make it California so
0: do you think there's like a lack of people being able to draw from one dot to the next that what they have in California is in direct relation to what they want in California. I feel like there's so many people playing the game of like, listen, it's either blue or red.
1: So who are you with? And it's like, dude, no, I'm a free thinker. Like I can see, I, I, I am economically, I guess, as you would say more conservative, but that doesn't mean that I'm against someone's right to, you know, carry a child or not. Like I, I don't know about any of that stuff. I don't see why one size fits all for this whole platform. You know, like, why do we got to align with all of these different beliefs when honestly they're not any way related, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, like, it's interesting. Right. Because now more than ever, if you know, I've heard people say, Hey, listen, the stakes are high. I get it. You don't like this guy or Hey, you, you don't like this guy. It's always with Trump, right? You don't like Trump. That's fine. But if you don't vote for Trump, you're getting more Biden. We've gotten into this. If you don't vote for this person, you're going to get. Nobody's voting for anybody because they want that candidate. They're voting for that person to not have the other candidate. And Dude, it's like just... if we're going to be at the, if it's dire, then maybe we need to shake the whole fucking thing up and not just continue to perpetually kick the can down the road. And that's the thing. I think that's what we thought we were getting out of Trump in
1: 2016. I thought that we were. Well, that's the whole narrative is that everybody that was supporting Trump at the time seemed to think that, you know, we are getting something new here. And we did get something new. And I mean, could we have done without all the mean shit talking tweets? I'm sure we could have done without all that. But when you break it down, the economy was high. Honestly, I don't see how they get rid of Trump. In 2020, without pulling out the COVID card, bro. The COVID card got pulled. Someone drew that on their bingo card or something. And, uh, I mean, shit hit the fan. And all of a sudden, it was so bizarre, too. I mean, if you look, at hindsight being 2020, you look back at that time frame. Everyone's sitting inside their house, can't do nothing. But then all of a sudden, you got to hit the streets, and you got to stand up we're going to fight back baby
0: we're all going to get together and be shoulder to shoulder arms together it's so funny now like in hindsight thinking about <laughs> how everything how everything worked out yeah no you're not wrong like all the protests
1: and people yeah and no I mean? I'm like I I am 110% sold on you know we need we need to train our police better because you know, the interactions that you, you can just look, anyone with a mind can
0: look go on to social media and see these videos of just yeah terrible goes, interactions with police. It goes without saying, right? Like, I'm not, and I'm not just saying this as like, okay, yeah, blanket statements, So then you can just go, like, <laughs> down, your, down your far right rabbit hole, right? But yeah. it goes without saying, I really don't give a shit what anybody does as long as they're not hurting other people. Yeah. I have. I had this conversation this past weekend. My wife had a friend in town, and you know, we were just sitting up. we were talking, and I said, people that have their pronouns in their LinkedIn description or social media, like, I don't even want to talk to you you you've instantly like especially if it's a guy, and it says he him <laughs> and, and I mean, hear me out, right? You're a guy, you got he him in there. well. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Um, now if you were a guy and because I don't have a problem with people that are trans, right? Which to why me, yeah, right? Like why why would I? If you want to be trans and take it a step further, you're a trans, you're a woman who has transitioned to be a man and you want to be called he him. And it bothers you when people call you her. I get it. You've you've transitioned, you went through all this work, you're trying to start this new life. Excuse me. And it's you want fucking people- ma'am. <laughs> what a great, what a great clip.
2: <laughs> like I, but it I mean, in a way,
0: I get that frustration. I can understand where that frustration would come from. If you truly are somebody that wants to be something else and people just continue to call, it. I'll I'll run with this, okay? But you and me. Why do you got to put it in there? Like, yeah, I mean I, why do I, I gotta put it in there if if you're a you look like a man and you want to be called her, then put it in your thing and I'll just know to call you her. but Bob Johnson, he him <laughs> like, I don't know what you're trying to do other than tell me that you're you're standing there in solidarity. I guess is is what what that is and I mean Dude. some people would say that with a straight face like, hey, I'm doing this for the people who feel marginalized that are like that. Okay, like walk that backwards through any other scenario in the world and you're going to look like a fool.
1: And you saw the the video of like, not the video, there's like an article that I was reading or something. And it was a teacher in Canada, like a tech ed woodshop teacher. And I guess he just decided <laughs> to take it to the extreme and he's wearing rubber tits
0: and <laughs> a dress to work.
1: It, lipstick the whole nine but it's just like it's like your stereotypical blue collar man and nobody can really say hey you can't do that like it's like no we're, if we're gonna if we're going on this extreme we're was gonna that, do it baby was that proven to be satire or was he like legit dude i i can't say for certain but i'm pretty sure that that was a real thing i mean i i don't see how you just make that shit up but maybe In today's world, maybe it's maybe it's made up. Who knows?
0: Do you remember Mrs. Brown, the substitute teacher? She was an older Um, lady that had like a southern accent. Oh yeah, Miss Brown. Miss Brown. I think about her because like her classes, whenever Miss Brown was in class, she was never in control. Ever. But you (laughs) can Yeah, you could. You can think because not everybody went to school with you and I back in Bradford. So if you're if you're listening to this and you've got that substitute teacher that when they were there, the kids just knew they could fuck off. uh, That's how I feel right now. I feel like we had a good teacher. You didn't always like him. He was a jerk. But for the most part, everybody was getting good grades. Everybody was leaving class in one piece. People were there. The seats were filled. And when anybody would act out of line, the teacher would point them out and end the disruption right away and everybody would get back to learning. And then it was like one day the teacher was removed. You know, maybe, I don't know, another teacher said that that teacher put the moves on her in the the conference room or something. But for whatever reason, they get that teacher gone and they bring in a long-term sub. And that long-term sub comes in and has zero control over the classroom. All the bad kids are throwing shit. They start with movies. They try to, oh, no, we already went over this lesson plan. Oh, well, it's in the syllabus. I don't know. We already went over it. It's just like the kids that are completely in control. And that's what it is right now. When you look around, the people who have zero, uh, they have nothing invested. It's people who have zero invested into Mm -hmm. society. That's the thing right? Like I could even tolerate some of this. If most of what's going on was being driven by a lot of people that have a lot invested into the state of America. Yeah. And maybe I'm the outsider that's trying to make everybody change, but it's not the case. It's like all these people that don't have jobs, never had a job that don't have any responsibility, have never had any tough decisions. And they're just living idealistically, throwing things out. And quite honestly, I think they're testing the boundaries because nobody's saying no. And it's like to the point where if you think back, um, do you remember Evergreen State College where um, uh, Professor Weinstein, I think Eric Weinstein was the professor that was there. It was either him or Brett. But he and his wife were basically run off of this campus, both of them liberals, but because they, they wouldn't subscribe to this uh, day of, white people staying off campus because they were like no like we have classes to teach and it got to the point where they were telling the president of the university not to do what i'm doing right now don't talk with your hands that's aggressive it's making people uncomfortable so like he's talking in the middle of his thing and they're yelling at him and he like puts his hands down and it's just like bro you're you're literally being led around by a bunch of crazy people
1: yeah yeah no that's and that's exactly how they frame the mindset of Hollywood or Los Angeles as a whole. Is that it's a it's it's a it's a city of crazy people because you know you got a town full of colleges. They get done with the college, they go into Hollywood to uh, intern or whatever, and then you take these people that are producing their political ideologies into the shows and the actors and the models and everybody trying, you know, trying to scratch at each other's backs to get chosen. And it's just, it's just a yes community. We're going to go with whatever the narrative is. No one's going to ruffle any feathers. Cause if you ruffle a feather, you're, you're on the fucking chopping block, buddy.
0: What was that experience like for you on the voice?
1: I mean, I'm thankful for the opportunity to get up there and do my thing. Did it help me immensely? I mean, no, I was already doing this for a living before I went on a show. I was doing corporate jobs. The only thing it helped me with was it's a little resume builder and it gave me something cool. Clients were excited to hire me, talk about me to their their uh people that they're having at their events and stuff, like, oh, we got this guy, he was on a voice. Like, you know. It just gave you a little bit of a, a resume builder, a little bit more of, a, you know, something to say, hey, this guy is, you know, kind of legit. But in all reality, I mean, the reason why you don't really hear from these other people that are on these TV shows is because it is a fully casted system. I mean, it's, it's no different than casting a movie. They have an outline. Okay. And they're like, okay, we got five leads. We need to cast five leads. So they look through the thousands of submissions auditions they get and they pick out their leads. And then from there, we're looking for, you know, our intermediate people from there, we're looking for, you know, and I'm very fortunate. I got the opportunity to be on there. I broke this down for someone just the other day. I mean, For me, they they were telling us they had 30,000 submissions. They picked 108 people to fly out to L.A. Uh, I was one of those 108. And from the 108, there was 40 people that, you know, made the show. Now, so out of the 40, I was the 39th person to get chosen. So when I went out on that stage in front of these judges slash coaches, you know, I knew full and well after four days of auditions that, you know, these people are coming back to the hotel room after it's audition day. There's six weeks leading up to this. uh, Preparations, wardrobe, rehearsals, blah, 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 blah. And so for the six weeks, you're just kind of preparing it, all 108 people. And for me, I'm going out there knowing that there's not any, there's only 10 slots per judge, four of them, so 40. And I know that most of these teams coaches their team is full so you know my best case scenario was like the bare minimum so uh I got fortunate to get on a team but hindsight being what it was I mean I was casted on the show to serve a purpose and my purpose was to showcase a unique act you know what I mean because
0: I was a unique artist what would have happened if you started to get a groundswell of support (laughs) would they have would they have let you win the show hell no dude no like that's like even like let's just say you had some grassroots thing you went out there and you did you performed (laughs) you performed exactly how you performed okay so Mm -hmm. like nothing different and you just somehow were able to go and like create a social media campaign and everybody fell in love like i don't know you talked about your dog or some like you know some sob story and people fucking fell in love with you and everybody's calling in, like, is that all a bunch of bullshit for people who are outside trying to root for people and it's all set in stone or was, it I mean, you, they would have been like, Oh wow.
1: Like, let's run. I can't, them. I can't say that it's set in stone because before it even airs, I was already, I, I had already been off the show. I mean, I, the whole thing was already done by the time I had my first appearance on TV. So, I already knew how it turned out, watching it on TV, and you know my phone blowing up from so there's,
0: that's right. there's no fan voting on the voice, right the very end the, yeah, the very end they have like the live portion of the show, but
1: the main portion of the show, which is the reason why people like the show, is that first initial
0: audition, you know,
1: where they turn the chair.
0: But, like, if you that's, went out there and just, like, what happens if you kicked ass in the battles, right? And the person that you're going up against chokes. Cause it's live, right? Like, yo, no, that's, that's not live. That's pre recorded. That's all pre recorded. So, what? So, let's say yeah. you go out there and you kill your performance and they're all watching and they're like, fuck, Jake, like, blew this guy off the stage. Would they have Dude, worked- I'm going to drop one for, for you. You ready for go this? Go and do this all over again because we got to have this person perform better than you. So it's believable that they move on. Well, they do that in the way they pick the songs.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like like for instance, I'm going against in the battles, I'm going against their hand picked front runner. Okay. Uh dude sounds like George Strait. Now this dude can't touch my range, but they're not picking a song that's gonna showcase any sort of range. They're picking a song that showcases deep, deep, deep baritone. You know what I mean? And so that I was the perfect pick to go against this dude in that battlefield because my voice is naturally has a higher tone. You know what I mean? I'm not like a true, uh, just like a straight up low register singer. I'm more of a, of a, I was never even a bass and choir dude. I was a tenor. So I have a high voice for a man and that's my strength. And, uh, I can sing the low stuff, but it's not, I'm really, I'm, that's the thing. I'm versatile. And the a lot of these other dudes that go on there, they're a one trick pony. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to talk shit. It is what it is. I mean, like I said, I was, I was about to make this point a little earlier. Um, You know, I, I do this for a living. I play music, you know, every weekend, I make a comfortable living doing so. And I do events. I do gigs, I do showcases, and I record and write my, I fund my own records, I record myself, I write my own songs. I'm a 100% independent artist. Now, this show, for guys that were like me, I think I was one of two out of out of the 40 people that made it. Everybody else on the show is like, I've never played live before. I've never had a show. I've never even done a gig. I. They're like straight up Where did they music. find them? there are music, They're music theater, people. theater people that just have really nice voices and they can go out there and sing a song for 90 seconds that they rehearsed for the past six months and crush it. But they've never gotten paid to play music like legitimately. And I'm going out there. I'm like, well, I literally, I, I do this for a living. Not do I sound like Aretha Franklin over here? No. But like, uh,
0: I, I mean, obviously I'm doing something right. You know, what about the network? Like, are were you able to draw any valuable networking from that? Like, people that have become valuable as you've left the show, or was it really just Uh... the point that you made? Like, hey, it's a good resume resume builder, but really nothing other than that. Because, like, I don't know. It's I guess it's ignorant of me, but I. I knew that it was somewhat scripted. Okay, this is how my brain's working. Like, yeah, no, the show's definitely somewhat scripted. It's a produced show. Like, they're going to make sure they control it in some way, shape, or form. But they definitely... Oh, they bring
1: the lawyers in.
0: Mentorship, and, like, you you would get this impression that everybody that's there that at least makes the show is... Learn like gaining so much additional experience and like wow mm-hmm. like I really developed myself as a songwriter because of these mentors that are here and like I mean how can you develop yourself as a songwriter from someone that doesn't write songs
1: I mean these are these are manufactured artists to begin with so I'm not trying to just shit on the situation but I am calling a spade a spade okay so
0: you're, not, so you're, so you're saying that you're not a fan of Blake Shelton
1: oh uh, I think Stop Blake is your... cool Blake's all right I like the joke. We had a little funny interaction where I told him my mom loves him. And he says, you know, pause, 20 seconds passes. You'd never see it on a show. I'm like, are you going to respond to that? Dude's got an earpiece in probably. And of course he goes, so, so you love mothers. So then, so then 20 seconds, 25 seconds passes. He like repositions himself in his chair, punches forward. And he's like, well, I love mothers. And it ended up being like
0: this big clickbait thing where Blake Shelton says he loves he loves mothers. You know, so it was like basically they knew that you said that and went into <laughs> him and were like, "Hey, we need to get you saying this so that we can be together with something previously recorded." No, I don't know if
1: it's previously recorded. I'm just saying it felt like it took a damn eternity to get well, a they response. They wanted him
0: to respond to something that he hadn't responded to, basically.
1: He was waiting to get fed the line. It felt okay. like I gotcha. That's my hindsight. It could I could be wrong, but anyways, I you know I, again, I Blake Shelton is a songwriter. He writes his own songs, but he doesn't. Not every song he's played sure. has he written himself. You know, I've never uh, recorded a song that I haven't written. So I will say that I have never recorded a song that someone else wrote. So can I don't know. I mean, I have 20 songs out. I've written them. So I don't know. I can't speak for some. I I can't say how many songs these guys have written. I can tell you that, you know, what's that? Kelly Clarkson, Because of You. I mean, that was written by Avril Lavigne. So I don't don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's she's a songwriter. I'll have to Google it. Maybe she's written some songs. But I can tell you that... uh, I don't know i can tell you i've never recorded a song that someone else wrote that's all i can say
0: who's the greatest writer from your perspective uh
1: my favorite song i have a couple favorite songwriters um jason isbel is one of them um uh chris stapleton obviously is a great songwriter now he does record songs he doesn't write but it's okay because the dude spent decades being a nashville songwriter dude has credits for all these hits bro he's like he's done his time songwriting um but one of my favorites i don't know if you're even into know know this dude but dan wilson uh lead singer semi-sonic closing time hmm okay why do you think you never hear a semi-sonic anymore? They did release a record recently, but why do you think
0: they fall off the, fall off the rails? So does he get picked up as a songwriter because of that, that album? Homeboy, if you look into Dan Wilson's catalog of
1: songs, dude has the biggest hits. The biggest is Dixie Chicks, uh, Chris Stapleton recorded, Adele. Uh, Alicia Keith. I mean, dude, this dude is putting out pop hits and he's just straight up in his house writing songs. Closing time, dude. Closing time. I mean, dude is just a genius. Dan Wilson is his name. And uh, he's one of the best songwriters in the music industry right now. Has been for a long time. Jesus, I'm
0: looking at it right now. Yeah, I think he wrote a he wrote "Someone Like You" by uh, Adele. Mm-hmm. Never
1: mind,
2: I'll find someone like you.
1: Beautiful song, gigantic hit when it came out. Uh, I'm not ready to make nice by the Dixie Chicks, or I guess the Chicks nowadays. Uh... <laughs> Dude, I went to see. I went. I took my kids to ACL, So music fest. Austin City Limits Music Fest every October, two weeks. I take them to ACL, their very first ACL. I'm like, oh, the chicks are headlining. I'll go check out the chicks. I like I like I like their songs, man. And this was a couple of years ago. I mean, probably 2022. And uh, I'm just thinking, like, so this is after COVID, you know what I'm saying? And I was just kind of amazed, you know, we got, we got the chicks headlining and we got a vaccine tent over here. Go get your vaccine tent and go watch the chicks. Go get your vaccines. Then go watch the chicks. And, uh, it just seemed really, um, not my, my cup of tea. That's all I'll say as I spark
0: up this joint, may I, you may, but I got to tell you shameless plug for the sponsor of this podcast i need to get you a zippo lighter brother i got a bunch of them actually well um, we'll get you we'll get you one of the curious jones podcast ones that are dropping here so that you've been a multiple time guest you deserve to get a custom lighter
1: hell yeah thank you man i appreciate that i didn't know you were sponsored we were uh
0: zippo's got a deal with you or something we're doing some things with lit so uh we we're actually you were just talking about concerts. I was out in California with Joey. Uh, we were at the Cali Vibes Festival, and man, like I forgot. I've gotten, I've gotten away from listening to slightly stupid and fortunate youth, and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of great bands that were such a part of like my later teen, early twenties, and that like coming full circle now, like as a grown up ass adult. And still hearing that shit, and it just, like, it comes on, and it's just such a vibe. Oh, Sublime. I got to see Sublime with Rome. Oh, was it with Rome? Because that must have been one of their last shows with him. It was, man. Their, it was their last show. Their absolute last show, supposedly, with him. So, I mean, we
1: got Jacob Noel coming in there, and he's sounding and looking just like his dad. I'm not, again, I guess I'm doing a lot of shit talking here. Was never really huge on Sublime with Rome. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to to kill anybody's living here, but it was never, especially their original stuff. They came out with a, like a couple records of originals with that he was, you know, it just didn't sound like Sublime. And I don't know if you knew this, there was a major lawsuit that you know, the Sublime name, which is why they were always called Sublime with Rome. There was a lawsuit between his wife. I mean, it was under Bradley Knowles. And they're trying to call themselves Sublime. And, you know, it's just not a, couldn't happen, you know? I mean, they, they, uh, they had a lawsuit going on. How long ago? That was when they first started. So, like 2011, 2010. So, his Bradley Knows wife filed a lawsuit and they won. So they had to stop calling themselves Sublime. Started calling themselves Sublime with Rome. Oh, interesting. Because the the name Sublime was trademarked. That's why now they're gonna be called Sublime. Because Bradley Noel's son is gonna be fronting the band and they're gonna be called
0: Sublime. Because she'll allow for the use of that name, knowing that Rome's not singing. Yes.
1: Yes, there's
0: there was. I actually met the dudes from uh, Badfish
1: a couple years ago on 420. I went to see they played here in Austin. I was like, dude, I'm gonna go see Badfish. I've always liked Badfish. I always wanted to see them. Uh, go out there, great show. Uh, go back to a bar I go to, and they walk in the bar I'm at. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna say what's up to the dudes. So I meet them, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're just kind of going back and forth. I was, I've always been a huge Sublime fan. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time uh i was in a reggae punk rock band when i was in high school yep so i'm super into the sound i've grown a little bit away from it in my adulthood but uh i don't know i'm like i might come out with a record of of that type of stuff here uh, in the future but i mean they're really cool dudes i think they do nelson's ledges up in ohio every summer uh That festival up there And that was always a huge thing for our area Like a lot of our friends were always going to these You know, you ever hear people talk about Nelson's, Nelson's Ledges Festival? I have Yeah, that's like a thing up there,
0: man Yeah, now it's It's just a different vibe That was a I wasn't really looking forward to going out to California It was good to see Joey And like we had some business that we were working on With Lit But that whole festival was just a different vibe. It was laid back all around long beach where we were just the, the people that were there, they weren't troublemakers. A lot of festivals that I, I, I really haven't been to a whole lot of festivals since geez, like Coachella back when GNR was headlining Coachella. That was kind mm-hmm. of the last of my festival days. Like I was, I think I was like turning 30 and was like, I can't be continuing to do festivals. This is, little odd unless i know the people that are performing or something and i'm here to see but see somebody specific but
1: i was um, never really into it to begin with to be honest with you
0: you don't get like if i'm going to a festival because i want to see a band that i like the sound you don't even get it yeah the sound's not nearly as good right like because you're not you're not set up for any individual band you're set up for everybody at a festival right and then you got a shortened time frame you've got you know yeah, then i get 35 minutes
1: set or something maybe
0: even 25 like i i just have never really i don't know i i would much rather go to a theater and see yeah. a show dude just like hours long some of the best shows i've ever seen are are at theaters honestly one fuck of the- yeah dude honestly every fucking every show
1: That you see, like your favorite shows, I feel like are always going to be in a theater, even on top of the arenas. I mean, I've been to some arena shows, too, but I'm taking theater shows every fucking time.
0: Yeah, I will say, though, listen, and I've so I mean, I've seen GNR a lot in some stadiums here recently since they've gotten back together. I mean, I don't know. I've I've a whole thing in my bathroom wall just with all the tickets. Sometimes I forget some of the shows I've been to. But I would have to tell you the best concert that I've been to was Metallica in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo. I got there at like seven in the morning. It, it was like end of January or early February, it was like seven degrees outside. And I just we stood there and we got in that. We were down on the floor front row for Machine Head, Metallica and uh, Mastodon. I believe. Or no, it wasn't Mastodon. It was The Sword. You remember The Sword? Oh, I don't think so, man. It was The Sword, Machine Head and then Metallica. And it was Damn. uh it was right after Saint Anger, I believe. Or no, it wouldn't have been Saint Anger. So you must have listened to Metallica just nonstop. I was a big Metallica fan like Yeah. This was like at the peak of This would have been 2008. yeah
1: okay dude that reminds me of like my very first legit concert well my first concert was when i was like 14 i went to see brad paisley this is before i was ever in country music remember seeing brad paisley and thinking dude this guy fucking shreds baby he is crushing it you would never guess but then i go back that was at darien lake I get the concert bug, and I start getting into playing guitar and stuff. And a big reason, a big influence of mine at that age, 14, 15, 16, is John Mayer. Like, John Mayer was crushing back in the... This is
0: like 2008, eight, two thousand. Do, he doesn't do himself any favors, but man, that guy's hated on, and he is so good. Dude, he fucking... So, anyways,
1: I go... I My parents get me a ticket for my birthday... Think of, this is before I had my driver's license, so I'm like 15, uh, and they drive me up there. They take the lawn seats. They got me a seat by myself, like fucking up there, dude. I watched John Mayer in concert by myself, and I was just in awe the whole time, dude. I wish I still had that piece of shit phone I had. I had a bunch of pictures of it, but I was I just loved every second of it, dude. I was hooked. So that was probably one of my favorite concerts. And it's because I knew everything. I, you know, listened to the music religiously, and then you know, one of my other favorite concerts I've been to was another t- another one I went by myself. This is when I uh, first moved to uh, to Orange County with your brother Joey and my brother Gary. Uh, I get tickets to the Terrence Center. I think it's Ter- Terrence Theater in uh, Long Beach and see the avip brothers to get yeah, uh and and it was just dude it was like amazing man i fucking i think it was like an 80 dollar ticket but i just loved it i don't wanted to go by myself because i knew every single song i was fucking screaming every so every word and just it was almost like a a religious experience dude because this is and that's like what i've strived to be as an artist is like at that point in my life i was coming off of a off of a lifetime low, dude. You know, I'm like, I'm like a shell of myself a little bit, like trying to figure out bad breakup, fucking leave the military on bad terms, even though, you know, they got multiple years of my life in the middle of the ocean, you know? And it's just kind of like a rebound of figuring out, and I just remember having the time of my life at that concert, so... That's
0: no, right. Change your trajectory. Music, live music especially, man. I I remember my first real concert was over at St. Bonaventure. My parents, I was in fifth grade. I went over to see Live. And uh, Aqua, I think, was the name of the band that opened for them. And Live comes out. They play two songs. Wait a minute. Is this in St. Bonaventure? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what you just said, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. They may have played two songs, maybe three. (laughs) And then they they bust into their song Shit Town. And before they start it, the singer like goes to this pause break. He's like, Hey, I just want to let everybody know we got in earlier this morning. We rode our bus down Main Street and Mm -hmm. wanted to dedicate this song to you. And they start playing Shit Town. Mm -hmm. And somebody throws a fucking boot up onto the stage and hits that motherfucker right. They all stop. (laughs) He, somebody throws a guitar down and they give everybody the finger and walk off stage. I remember, I don't know how old you are in fifth grade, maybe 12. I'm there with my mom and dad just like waiting. And they're like, yeah, I think it's time to go. And I'm like, no, Your not- dad's
1: probably like, oh, they're fuck you. Your dad's yelling at him. Oh yeah. Kids
0: next to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> but then I, I mean fast forward I had you know talk about great songwriters the Goo Goo Dolls I've seen them a couple of times once at Bonaventure every that time, dude is a great songwriter every time I've seen I mean they're a little they're a little suspect now with how they look I mean Jesus they look like twin lesbians but yeah they've, got, I saw they've, they've gotten promo. like way way woke they're you know and I would say they've they've gotten themselves caught up a little bit in that LA culture but they're I mean I, how can you hate them they've I think of some of the best written songs, man, name, Iris, black, balloon. black balloon.
1: Yeah. We said at the same time.
0: Those are, I mean, just such amazing songs
1: and that whole time period of his songwriting. I don't. That's the thing. Like they, I feel like as a songwriter, you can catch lightning in a bottle and it just doesn't last forever. Dude. So that guy caught lightning in a bottle. He pumped out some hits like, Pretty quick, like, their first two records had hits on. Yeah. But they haven't been able to recreate. Like, when? when's the last time? I'm not talking shit.
2: I'm not well, trying I think to, it's, I
0: think it's that, I mean, dude, you're, you're speaking about something, though, that I think if you try to measure what is a great band, it's the ability to be great at something and then be able to transcend and continue to be great at whatever is – like, it's still you, it still has the time that you represent, but you're able to translate it into the music. I mean, say what you will, but Metallica, for for the genre of music that they play in, they've been able to do that. They've been able to remain relevant but while slowly evolving along with the times, but still being hard rock, heavy metal. Consistent right? in what they're doing. But they're not, there's a lot of bands that sound the same as they did in the 80s. And it's just like, you never evolved. Like, yeah, you're hard, you're fast, you're thrash, but like, in order to stay relevant, you, you need to evolve. And some people they're too stubborn for their own good and they don't evolve at all. Right. They don't, they don't understand that. And and maybe they just don't want to change. And that's cool too. Like that's the beauty of music, right? There's no right, wrong way to do it, but for commercial success, and you know to be able to to your point have those hits i think the goo goo dolls were amazing at what they did but once that genre of music passed there's their music now kind of comes across a little corny yeah but the funny thing is now i'm kind of gonna i'm I think my, I want to
1: hear I want to hear a current, like they just came out
0: with a record. I'm going to have to go back and see what that new record sounds like. Yeah. Maybe there's, here's the thing. Maybe there are some good songs on it and just like the commercial success is gone. But I don't, yeah. I, I don't know that my original argument holds any water because I can put any of those old songs on now and they're fucking awesome. So it's not, they're still that, awesome. Bro. It's not that that genre left and you know what I mean? Like they're just, Yeah, maybe it just passed them by.
1: Dude, he did something really cool. Like, he was constantly writing in open tunings. Yeah.
0: And it was like... strange tunings. Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, and a lot of guys... Like, I know a lot of dudes that play in, like, open D or even take open D tuning and tune it down a whole step to make it, like, open C, but it's still just open D just an octave lower. but Or a key lower. But it's just... I don't know man i i i it, i've never learned iris just because i don't want to mess with like tuning my guitar all the time
0: i so here's a th- i learned it you could play it i could play that song i actually have a black acoustic guitar it's an old johnson acoustic guitar my dad bought it for me when i was 16 and you leave it open you leave it I, the just, open I, I, I literally it's up in my bedroom it's tuned specifically to play iris yeah, dude, that sounds about right. I have a guitar. I keep an open D2. Yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it's super easy. Um, No, but you know, I, right before COVID, I was in New York City. Um, I was up there for work and my buddy Carlos um, was like, hey, I've got tickets to the Barclays Center to go see the Lumineers. Do you want to go? I'm like, hell yeah. This was like Valentine's Day week of 2020. Like, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic shut everything down. Yeah, I mean, February, you would have been good to go to the show, baby. Yeah, no, we were we, we go to the Barclays Center. There's nothing. Like, no masks, nothing. Nobody's talking about it. I got back. Well, from- it was in
1: the news. It was in the news that day. Well, never- it wasn't.
0: It Nothing yeah. like, I remember when it hit because of work. We thought
1: it was in China, babe.
0: We just thought yeah. it was in China. Yes. Right now, people were talking about it, but there was no worries of anything. It was like a week and a half later that I got back, and then shit hit the fan yeah but we're i'm at the barclays center with carlos and we're we have seats stage left probably 15 rows up decent seats you know but we're on an aisle and um awesome show i mean these guys were i was so impressed i was i love a lot of their songs but i would have never said that i'm a fan of the lumineers but they put on a great show they sounded amazing But dude comes out and runs down the center aisle, jumps a fence, jumps another fence, and climbs up into our section and comes up and literally sings half of a song standing next to Carlos and I. Like, I'm videotaping the whole thing. It was the craziest experience from a a live performance that I've ever had. That's cool. Yeah. So what's the process been for this most recent album?
1: So I just released an EP called Singin' Pickin' Cowboy um, it's like uh, when I play live with my band. Pre- uh, predominantly, it's it's just me doing the acoustic guitar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: harmonica, kick drum, and a tambourine. And then I have a mandolin player and a bass player, and they're great, man. They they're they're awesome. Or sorry, a mandolin player and a fiddle player, and they're they're great. We have a we have a great time. We play every weekend we do a lot of events and stuff showcases but i wrote these songs and we recorded them i said hey let's go in the studio i want to get some stuff on my catalog that's just in our organic format which is like this is how we play live instead of like hiring a drummer and coming in and trying to get like the most well-rounded full band sound like i have in the past in the studio I uh I just went straight for what we do with the kick drum and the tambourine and like a bluegrass fashion and uh we just captured that and my mandolin player Cameron he uh he's like a bluegrass or bluegrasser so he he has an upright bass he brought his upright bass so we just tracked everything uh we tracked everything live basically uh, in different rooms at Orb Studios and then we dubbed the vocals and the bass so we just replayed it and he played bass on the way back and I sang but everything else was like live as it would be if we were just playing but you don't want to do live because when you for me I'm in the booth we're recording drums tambourine and guitar organically in the same space. So the bleed is there. So it's like uh, working against that bleed is like really the art of what, of what recording that situation is.
0: Now it makes a lot of sense that you would, you keep all of the music bleeding together, but you separate the vocals and have that Mm -hmm. rise, rise above that and not kind of get lost into the mix of, what is otherwise really beautiful and the whole purpose of you doing it in the way that you're doing it. Right. It's like you're the benefit you're getting out of that is from the music side, not from the vocal side. Yeah. By playing it live, which is, I think is, I want to, is this the stuff that you put on Instagram like social media and stuff, or was it something different? No, this is the same stuff. Yeah. This is, it's a, it's a five song
1: EP that was recorded in this format. Three of the songs is in the format I just described and I have two straight like acoustic songs that are just on an acoustic guitar and a vocal and a harmonica. So, uh, but the other three songs, they're like straight bluegrass, kick drum, tambourine, uh, upright bass, mandolin, fiddle, acoustic guitar and vocals and harmonies and stuff. What's one that we should listen to? Well, uh, the most the one that's doing the best right now, it got put on a playlist called "Sad Cowboy Music." Great playlist, listen to it all the time. Uh, it's doing pretty well. It's called "Singing Picking Cowboy," the grass version. I think it's track two on the EP. Uh, and yeah, I I enjoy that song. Let's see if we can get it to listen play title
0: track, baby. Let's do it.
2: How'd it all go to hell? Well, I loved the pretty woman, but she left me all alone by myself. Well, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, grab the bottle off the shelf. And I poured it like my heart when I told her from the start how I felt. To no avail. singing picking cowboy out there to no avail she seemed not to care she thinks there's another singing picking cowboy out there well i'm sitting here i'm thinking going through the good times and the bad
0: that's
2: fire
1: thanks bro that's that's really good (laughs) yeah it's like a breakup song but like so like it's it's a breakup song that's sad but like when you play it people are like jumping up and down and dancing you know it's just kind of funny
0: what inspired that
1: um i was just having a really uh hard time with my significant other and we were kind of on the outs at the time we've come back and uh and she's she's amazing It's just basically, you know, I write this stuff and it's like, uh, it's through the lows, you know. And I've written some songs that are during the highs too. There's actually a song on that EP called Golden Hair that's that's also about her, which is during a high when you think the high is going to be forever and this is my person, you know. But you're going to navigate these lows too and it turns out that I've navigated some lows and when I have these lows i can pump out some material that is pretty organic and real and uh record it and release it man but yeah it's definitely a a situation i actually uh wrote this song in a much more sadder state which is just like a i recorded if you look on the ep there's two versions of that specific song singing picking cowboy there's the upbeat grass version and there's the sentimental stripped version, which is the state in which I wrote it, which is just like finger-picked guitar and fucking emotional voice, and that's that's what I that's how it was when I wrote it. But then I was like, I want to use this for my band, so I kind of reinvented it in an upbeat fashion.
0: All right, so let's let's play the other version then. Okay. No, this is awesome. I didn't realize that there's two.
2: Yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking how did it all go to hell? And I love the pretty woman, but she left me all alone by myself. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking. I grabbed the whiskey off the shelf. And I poured it like my heart. When I told her from the start how I felt, to no avail. She seemed not to care. She thinks there's another Singing, picking cowboy out there I'm sitting here, I'm thinking Going through the good times and the bad I told her that I'm sorry For the bullshit that she saw on my behalf I'm sitting here, I'm thinking Maybe I should just let it go Like the Colorado River My love for her won't stop It just flows. To know that She seemed not to care She thinks there's another Singing, picking cowboy out there Didn't know of them. She seemed not to care She thinks there's another Singing, picking cowboy out there I hope that you find What you're looking for I hope you don't mind If I come knocking at your door I think I'll survive Though my heart is Take a look up the road. A new chapter's been born to know of it. She seemed not to care. She thinks there's another singing, picking cowboy out there. seem not to care she thinks there's another singing picking cowboy out there she thinks there's another singing picking cowboy out there
0: and put that one on pause after a few minutes, dude. That's amazing. That's honestly, you can feel the, you can feel the rawness in that. Right. And regardless of where it comes from or, you know, how it's originated, I think all of your music's always had that for me. And as you've just gotten more and more experience in life, I feel like you can, you can tell, like, I feel like your life experience is what's going to continue to round out your your music ability because you've you've got the musical chops to your point you you can sing you've got the range you can play the hell out of guitar but what you can't do is force and accelerate life experience right and it takes shit like that happening right bad shit happening going through the the struggles which we all go through that's why it's relatable jake and i like i think it's a after hearing that it makes perfect sense why you record it the way you do and i think that's your thing man if i'm you why go in and and record the way everybody else is recording because that's not the way you perform half of half of your magic for me is like when i go and see you play live there's just an energy that's there that's not there with other people right exactly I, I think you you figured out a way how to how to draw that into both the way you write songs, but also in in how you record and, and get somebody to listen to it. So kudos, mm-hmm. man. That's that's some fire shit. Thanks, bro. I think it's all about finding your
1: own lane, you know. And that's like, you know, I posted this, uh I, I've been taking these songs you're wearing the Nirvana shirt. I posted that Nirvana cover. Yes. And uh and the whole thing is we're taking we're taking these popular songs and we're we're reinventing them in this this format that I do, which is the kick drum and the tambourine and the bluegrass elements. And I think in the in the in the heading, I called it Nirvana Grass, like Nirvana Dash Grass. And I had fucking these motherfuckers, these bluegrass snobs just pissed off, dude. Which hindsight being 2020, I think that's what that's what trending is in today's world is, is dealing with the fucking the shit storm of negative people that are staring at their phones every day, waiting to just post some mean shit to someone they don't know, bro. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's, that's what trending is in today. Like if you look at being, you know, and I'm not famous, but you take someone that is famous if you look at their shit, I bet you any money, it's their mentions on Twitter is just people Hold on. Hold on. talking shit, dude. I got
0: the best one. I got the best <laughs> one. Hold on. where's I I can't remember what this girl's name is. Oh, God. What is this name? I'll find it. It's just people talking shit
1: nonstop, bro. Like, I had some dude comment on there. Um, I think I posted on TikTok or something. And this dude, yeah. like... They're just like, oh, yeah, why don't you just like, I'm sure that's what Kurt would want is just his song be, you know, fucking crushed like this. Like, that's totally what he I was like, dude, well, you know, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? Let me know what he has to say about it, bro. Like, you for real? I'm a huge Kurt Cobain fan. I love Nirvana. And that's exactly why I played a Nirvana song, dude. I love bl- the bluegrass elements of music, but no one was ever there in my life to introduce me to bluegrass so i found bluegrass and i appreciated bluegrass after listening to you know the hit music that pop hits bro from the 80s 70s to the 90s you know what i mean like that's where that's the music that i heard like without trying to hear it in my lifespan so that's why i was always drawn to 90s music and if i can hear bluegrass versions of songs that you already know. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. That's why people like to come out and listen to to me live is because I'll play three hours of songs that you know in a fashion you've never heard before. And it's just different. People enjoy it. And that's all that needs to be said. So my plan right now is to just keep on making these videos of just just reinvented hit songs and, and let people find them and follow me that's the plan right now and continue putting out records
0: i love it i love
1: it writing and recording records
0: man so i found what i was looking for um i think i i think i found this from tom segura maybe it it may have not even been tom segura it doesn't even matter so there's a this girl her name's afton pratter a-f-t-o-n afton p-r-a-t-e-r her instagram's afton.pratter she's uh she's from up north uh, i think she's from like the, <laughs> she's actually from washington and she moved to nashville and uh she's a songwriter now she's like trending all over tiktok and her songs are i'll I'll let you judge for yourself but they're like rhymy very like poppy country girl songs where she sings about tractors and like all kinds of stuff. Um I'll play one for you here. But do you have your phone on you by chance?
1: I'm on my phone okay. right now actually.
0: All right. So I'll just tell you this thing. I'll I'll play a song for you really quick. So here's one. In the background, daddy owned shotgun, shooting clay
2: pigeons. Was her kind of fun. Never really had a care in the world about what anybody thought was a typical girl. off jeans was a problem. Okay, you
1: can turn that off now. Okay.
2: Us- See. <laughs>
0: so you get the point right but yeah. the, the best part is somebody has somebody's done something where every time she posts anything on social media the comments the the very first comment for sure and like lots of other subsequent comments are all talking about crack cocaine it's like please write a song about crack cocaine um Taylor Swift's been real quiet since she found out Afton is writing crack songs for her fans. If you go and look at any one of this girl's videos that she poked, It's just people trolling her? Dude, I don't know if somebody set up some, like, fake accounts. But now I comment. I go here now, and every time, whenever I see she's put a new video up, I'm like, I didn't hear you sing about crack cocaine. Like, I just go in there and, and say it. <laughs> everybody else does. The very poor first- broad, man. That's fucked up. Yeah, and some nights are for writing crack songs. How about pop and crack? What's a good smoking boot? <laughs> What's that's what boot? I'm saying though. But this is exactly
1: so. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Okay, this is exactly what she wa- she's getting the attention that she At wanted. You. Yes, and she's getting she's getting paid like. She's an influencer now. How many followers does she have? She probably has a freaking ass ton of followers from this shit.
0: Like 40,000.
1: Okay, 40,000.
0: But, like, this is, I I heard this in, like, some random-ass podcast that I don't even know if it was Segura, but it was somebody t- brought it up. And they were just laughing about, somebody said that about the comments talking about crack. And now I just can't help myself every day. I'm looking to see if there's another video and if people are still saying it. But your point.
1: I don't know. This guy apparently has poll with the internet, man, because they trolled the shit out of uh Garth Garth Brooks.
0: That's one of the funniest that's one of the funniest things ever.
1: It is, yeah. I mean they were like, Where's the bodies?
0: Like that's what i like.
1: I think now it's just taking out a life of its own. Yeah. It's just everybody's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) But he I, I was reading somewhere where he said that he was done. Like he was not gonna do music anymore because he's like people don't people are over it because
0: i, I think he's just tired of getting trolled <laughs> i was never a garth brooks fan but i can respect somebody who's who's that good but he's just in the he's in like the bubble of tom cruise for me just kind of like a weirdo a little bit of a weirdo
1: yeah just too I mean, big
0: and famous for his own good the whole like alias thing is a little odd i can't remember what the name is but something ridiculous you know what i'm talking about right how he would sign like wasn't it the aliases at the hotels
1: no well obviously he did that but no he released records like he
0: released like cock
1: rock records like nickelback type records which i'm not here to to, to, I, i like nickelback i'm pro nickelback first of all let's have that conversation put that in the bank we'll bring that back up but he came out with like Two records of an early 2000s type of rock sound, and uh, it was under a different name. I can't remember the name,
0: but if you look into it, are you being serious? <laughs> uh, I swear to god, dude, I swear to god, he's got, I mean, that's, I guess it's kind of genius. You wouldn't do it as Garth Brooks, right?
1: Yeah, it's like Chris Angel or something. It's not Chris Angel, but it's like something. Chris Gaines.
0: Chris Gaines, that's right. Yeah. He's a one-off fictional rock persona created as a movie character for Girth Brooks to explore musical styles far removed from his success as a country singer. Initially, Brooks planned to feature the Gaines persona in the lamb, a motion picture that never materialized. Hey, listen, like. sure dude and you hear the music though it just didn't catch
1: on at all dude
0: like i don't know if anybody was listening to chris gaines maybe like could you imagine could you imagine like the person that was out there because you know and of course somebody had to have been a big chris gaines fan and then they realized that they were the biggest chris gaines fan like what if your dad somehow was like a chris gaines fan and had like a chris gaines t-shirt because he heard it on the radio and for some reason it just resonated with him back i mean because this would have been back before you could have really like looked things up too much on the internet right yeah you wouldn't know who the fuck it is you're just like oh i like that i remember i thought buy that cd i like that cd i remember i mean i'm <laughs> probably like most people i thought hootie was white so, Oh, well, everybody. I mean, the music
1: <laughs> definitely sounds white, man. Come on. I don't mean to say like, come on now.
0: I mean, it sounds like
1: it's early 90s. Not early, but it's 90s. I mean,
0: booty. I was, I was actually, fun fact, I was on my way to the McKean County Fair uh, the night after I broke my retainer and my dad told me that Darius Rucker was a black guy. And I was like, what? I, I remember driving to Smithport and that was a conversation we had. And I was just the whole time I was at the fair, I was just like beside myself.
1: I can't believe that Darius Rucker is like known for wagon wheel. Like it's just it kind of irks me a little bit. Dude, Hootie and the Blowfish had some hits. They did. I actually was a bit I like I got really into Hootie and the Blowfish there. They only have a couple like songs that I think are are worthwhile, but that goes to show you it only takes a couple songs to really catch on for you to blow up, you know? Yeah. Speaking of Nickelback, yeah, I, I mean, dude, again, I, this is back in the era of CDs where you, you know, I'm on the school bus with my CD player, my headphones in, and I like that was just in my
0: backpack, ready to rock. School bus, so headphones. How, how should and you? The, the CD sleeve. Oh yeah, listen, I listened to, Nick, to Nickelback. I had
1: every how... Nickelback CD in that CD sleeve. I had a
0: Nickelback collection. Did, did Nickelback write their music?
1: Buck, I mean, he definitely wrote those songs.
0: Yes. He started, he wrote those. Chad Kroger wrote the songs. Okay. He he wrote those songs. He definitely wrote those. Yes. Then, then I don't, then that right there is like a big part of me not having a problem with Nickelback (laughs) because they, they, they could play the music. I think for me, the knock was always like, they're kind of like, they definitely leaned into the being radio friendly thing, which, okay, that's fine. But I almost took it to the level of they were the in sync of rock and that like there were producers that wrote the music for them Mm. or typecast almost like the voice Mm -hmm. and that they, and if that was the case, then it's like, how can I like and respect that band? But if Chad Kroger and that band wrote those songs, like legitimately wrote the songs, I can't fault them for, leaning in and taking advantage of the success that they got because if they didn't they could have disappeared and never been heard from again see and this is another thing when it comes
1: to writing songs so well, i don't i can't say for certain that they've written every single song they've ever well, you get what
0: i'm saying like there's a difference I can tell you this having though. having been like okay we're gonna go and get these people to put them in a band and be a product as opposed right. to that was not that the band and they
1: the dude at least wrote Like, he has hits that he did write. Like, he was... He's an established songwriter in his own right. Without the other people's songs, he's still going to be what he is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He wrote hits. So, I don't know if he wrote every single song, but I know that he's responsible for hits, like, that made money. So, um, when it comes to, like, a a make-believe rock band, you know... Like, we're just going to – when I think of that, I think about uh, Steel Panther. I didn't even know they were like that. But there's this band, this patriotic rock band that actually used to come to Bradford. And it is so funny because I saw them at the VFW in Bradford with my dad on Veterans Day. And they uh, they fucking – they come to Bradford, they do the show and then like 4 months later vice does a fucking episode on them where it just like if you watch this vice skit dude it is fucking ridiculous about how they break down what this band is how manufactured they are you know it's absurd That's so cool. you got to you got to look into Madison Rising
0: Madison Rising
1: yeah Madison Rising is the band okay and okay. and they they, uh, they, yeah, they, they've completely fabricated, you know, the whole patriotism. I think they did have, the whole thing is like they have veterans that are in the band and they have the songs, but apparently it's like a manager and he decided that he had this idea as a patriotic rock band. They like did a rendition of the Star Spangled Banner and it's just like straight up. And then they took that and the Vice skit is making it out to be like, all right, these guys are uh these guys are just straight up a right wing band because then it, they didn't they start talking about they go from patriotic rock band to now we're talking about like i guess right wing narrative topics in your songs, you know, mm. I think what really pissed off Vice and why they gave him the attention that they gave him was because after that whole Charlottesville thing, they made this song that they say was like inciting a race battle like a race uh a race battle remember like the the, the tiki torches thing yeah i don't even know much about it so i don't want to get too deep on what that whole thing was but i'm just saying like they did something they released something fucked up after that whole shenanigan
0: i think some people feel and i'm with you i don't i never really looked into that whole situation and they disappeared Uh, but i did think what people thought was that some of that was Like the provocateurs where it was, you know, some of those folks may have been planted, which is what I mean, that's what everybody's talking about with the whole January 6th thing. Right. Like and shame. on The answer is like if the FBI wasn't there on January 6th, shame on them. They should have been there. Like, dude, listen to this. My brother lives in Minneapolis,
1: my oldest brother. And he says that he starts talking about, like, the whole city burning thing and everything. He's just like, it's so bizarre that that's happened here because it's just, like, not what the demographic and the vibe of what this whole area is. And he says that he starts asking questions to people around. And he's just like, he's like, dude, you know, that's not that they think that there's people in the community. They're like, I think this is like a plant. Like they shipped in buses of people or something. I mean, there's definitely a theory that this might be some conspiracy stuff, but to tell me that there isn't a possibility of this being true, that somebody is shipping in people that are shit stirrers, because during, you know, the protest, every city has like a group of people that are like inciting violence. And I think that's the whole thing about getting people from the opposite ends of the spectrum, pointing fingers at each other, is to have that consistent flow, busload of people trying to stir shit. Because all you need is 15, 20 people that are there to stir shit, and they can get other
0: people to stir shit with them. Uh, I, I definitely don't put it past both sides right like it's it's the whole politics game it's unfortunate but there's there's something happening man the world feels different today than it ever has
1: it certainly does I've did you see this
0: optimistic,
1: but did you see how all these richest people on the planet dude you know today eight of meta's top shareholders sell like 80 percent of their stock yesterday jeff bezos offloading all this stock
0: yeah, I've been watching. A couple,
1: de- couple days ago, the Waltons, all those kids, they start, they're selling all their stock in Walmart. Like something weird is happening. I don't ever hear about like the richest people selling their biggest assets very often. But it makes
0: me think that maybe Jamie Diamond has never sold any of his shares in JP Morgan Chase and he offloaded like $900 dollars. That's what I'm saying. It makes me think that maybe this whole Currency change
1: might be happening, you know, sooner than later.
0: Something's going on. Wow, you're you're definitely on to something. And then, you know, there's the cell phone outage with at&t that, you know, was initially said to be a solar flare.
1: All right, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm gonna go down. I'm going I'm going deep real real quick. But what I think is in the possibility of happening. And I, you'd probably think I was crazy if I said this in January of 2020. But here in February of 2024, this is what I'm going to say. I think within seconds, within the, sw- the, within the flick of a switch, this phone can cut out, these lights can cut out, that internet router stops working, and all in the midst of things maybe there's banking issues or i don't know man i don't know what i the question is what what can happen what's in the possibility of happening well, and are you ready for it if it does happen
0: listen right i won't if, get into the specifics but that's what you just laid out is is my biggest fear right and same. The, they they kind of dangled it in front of our faces with that movie that Obama produced, right? And so, have you seen that on Netflix yet? No. Leave- what's it called? It's called Leave the World Behind. Oh God! You haven't seen it yet?
1: If it, if Obama produces it, I'm more than likely not watching it.
0: But no 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 no. I didn't know Obama produced it, Jake. You need to watch it because it's about it's a it's a movie that was made. It's not a documentary or anything. It's like, a, it's a fictional movie. That's all about the world falling apart because the whole grid goes down and fucking Teslas are running into each other on the highways and like the everything starts to go into chaos. And it's crazy because then I, you find out that Obama was one of the producers and it's like, that's exactly what everybody's now feeling like is kind of happening. And to your point, I've had people say like, why, why do you have guns? What do you, do you, do you think that you're going to wake up and the Chinese are going to be marching down the road? <laughs> like, no, but what I feel is like going to happen is at some point, the grid's going to go off. Money's going to go. I mean, we have a little bit of outrage over something happening in a city and people start looting stores. Wait till it starts happening because everybody's locked out of their money doesn't have power. People are going to start going door to door looking for resources and you're going to need to protect your family and your resources because somebody that didn't prepare is going to not have food or they're going to be cold and being nice to somebody which you want to be in a situation like that could get you killed and people are going to get very weird and that's what's going to be the problem. It's not like I think the you know we're going to separate into two groups and we all need to bring our arms together because there's going to be civil war i think there's going to be mass chaos because Dude, those- it scares
1: the shit out of me man and i came to the city you know because i was trying to chase a dream and now i'm sitting here every day and i'm just craving my rural lifestyle that i had as a child again you know i i i just it it scares the absolute piss out
0: of me uh, we'll talk after this because I don't want to get too, too, too into weeds, but I'm, I've been for the last six months, man, I've been so focused on a few things as far as getting myself prepared. And it's like, I, I hate to even say that because I sound like some whack job prepper, but if you don't have water, food, the ability to, uh, you know, clean water once you're out of bottled water, like, what are you going to do? you going to go to the lake and drink. You're going to go to a stream and drink the water. How are you going to clean it? Like people don't think of that. What are you going to do? You got some, can- Well, not only
1: that, what if the gas, what if the gas lines aren't working? So, you know, you don't even have fire in your house. You can have to, you, we got to start cut, cutting down trees, using firewood. I mean, there's We're a going-
0: lot of things even as little as like, how much gas do you, do you keep in your car? Do you let your car get below a half a tank? What happens if shit hits the fan? Do you th- do you think you're going to be able to go and pump gas? Like, no, you're going to be able to take whatever distance you have in the tank that you got. You know, do you have gas at home? Do you have do you have guns? Right? Do you have ammunition? Do you have walkie? So here's the thing. Like, there's do there's you so many things that you need to be prepared for. But people, they're like, oh, well, what's what's this TikTok dance that I can learn? Or look at this this mom and dad. They just switched. It was a mom and dad. Now it's the dad and mom. And the the son is now the daughter. And oh my God, I hope I'm not racist. The thing is, is that I I try to keep the
1: mindset that, you know, ninety-five percent of people are good at heart. You know, like they no one wants to inflict harm on anybody else for the most part. But I think it's that five percent or maybe even a little more than that, that, that would go door to door. And is the, is it, is my optimism foolish? I don't know. It's definitely scary. Yeah. I don't want to wait and find out. I I feel like as long as you're prepared for two months, like something's going to happen. Someone's going to pick up the pieces. It's not just going to be anarchy for good.
0: No, that's, I mean, if it's, if it's something goes on for crazy, a long time, I don't know how many people are actually really prepared for that, but I mean, dude, we, we had a fucking pandemic and you couldn't get any, every store had bare shelves. I mean, that was, don't think that that wasn't a test either. Like I, people are going to think I'm a whack job, man, but it's, they've been conditioning us for a while. Somebody has. Uh it's there's something's going on. I, I think it's pretty all obvious. Alien, all the alien talk. Elon Musk put something out on X the night before the AT&T outage and said this is a test. And then disabled the comments on the on what he posted. And then the next morning everybody woke up and didn't have any fucking cell phone service. And he gave no context as to why he said that. What the fuck, dude? I mean, <laughs> do you think that guy has that kind of power? He's the richest man in the world. So you think he's at least in the know? He's he's sending fucking shit into space. I mean, yeah, he's in the know, right? How wouldn't you be? I'm surprised
1: his stance on aliens, man, but maybe it's for a reason because... Because he's in I think I'm kind of of the mindset that maybe this whole alien thing... I've always been of the mindset that aliens are a legitimate thing, but I'm starting to think maybe... Maybe they're doing all this, bringing all this stuff out just because they're going to pull the alien card. And then that's when shit really hits the fan. All right. And then lasers are coming down from space and we think we're being attacked by an alien race. But maybe it's not. Maybe they just got some tech and it's time to get rid of, you know, it's time to, Time to go down to about 50%, 70% of what we are right now. 30% of what we are right now, you know? Because once people get pissed off and start looting and causing all sorts of havoc, that's why maybe, why is all these rich people's, why why is, why is there a bunkers being built? You know? Why do they want bunkers? Well, I don't know. Why do they want bunkers? It's kind of a bizarre situation. You're selling all your stocks and building bunkers.
0: That's a little... I've, suspicious I've, I've got a I've got a really horrible theory I'll leave you with before we part for the night what if what if there's like an asteroid or something coming that's gonna take us out and that's what the all the alien sightings are, whether it's that stuff's kind of in our atmosphere moving around now or those are different sensors and drones that we've been trying to send out to you know analyze the situation but the AT&T outage was actually this thing like crossing in front of a satellite somewhere and it just kind of took the the phone service out and they're not telling us yet but all these rich people are cashing in all their stock and getting their money out and building bunkers because they want to try to survive and we all don't have a clue that it's coming we're distracted by war and all this other shit, and we're about ready to get blindsided by a giant rock that's just floating millions of miles an hour right through space. I don't know, dude. I feel like if it would have to be really far away right now.
1: I mean, it's not orbiting with us. So, I don't know. It would. I mean, they say the rock that hit, you know, 12,500 years ago was, what, the size of, like, Texas? It's a pretty yeah. fucking big rock, dude. Big-ass rock. It's a big ass rock. Man, the scariest part about all that, like that whole, the whole Graham Hancock research and stuff like that, where the asteroid hits and then you got like a three mile high fucking tidal wave. Yeah. That crosses the entire planet five or six times over. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's maybe even more. You're talking about a wall of water that goes across all the land masses multiple times. It's that's, clearing, that's clearing everything. I mean, if you have a rock that big and it goes all the way down to the ocean floor at 6,000 miles per hour, whatever it's going through, it's hurling through space and we're hurling through space. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, what is it? 1.3 million Earths can fit in the Sun. That's how fucking small Earth is, buddy. Okay, so uh, we get hit by a fucking pebble, and that's all it takes
0: for a motherfucking. How do we know there aren't things? Out there? How do we know there aren't things out there bigger than the Sun that could just like in an instant? take us out because we trust like that 200 years worth of people looking into this shit actually has it all figured out. Yeah. They don't fucking know what they're doing, dude. That's what dude, they there's,
1: I'm looking at pyramids. They have, they have pictures of pyramids in Antarctica, dude, who the fuck is building pyramids in Antarctica? Archaeological, like we're talking about 13,000 years old. Okay. Why is there pyramids? in antarctica no one's living down in antarctica aside from the people that are probably working on the whatever the fuck they're doing in antarctica we'll leave that one for another time but (laughs) i'm just saying something's definitely happening down there and there's pyramids down there we got pyramids in egypt i don't know if a a lot of the, the the people that don't actually like look into this shit you realize the the pyramids in egypt Align perfectly with Orion's belt, the stars. So how the fuck does that happen without having just like this dense knowledge of astrology?
0: I mean, did the At people... At time when, when you would conventionally think, well, they can't possibly have everything that we know because they didn't have the capabilities. But it goes to the point that I, I truly believe... And it's what Graham, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson have really laid out. Civilization has been just as advanced, probably far more advanced than what we are today. Just what advanced was, was different, right? And it we took a course when things reset, and that course charted differently than it was before. And advancements were made just on different things. But I think that we were far more advanced as a civilization probably several times before we have been today fucking
1: insane dude
0: i wonder if it's the
1: oil was it always the oil like maybe they figured out something else like i think the pyramids are a wireless energy because there's like 10 or 12 different pyramid sites on the planet i think that there's a there's a way that the pyramids are able to harness Energy and basically it creates wireless power for the world. I think that is entirely a possibility. Tell me, crazy? It's okay.
0: Yeah. Listen, man, that's no that's no dumber than anything else that somebody could believe. So I appreciate that you're willing to to go out there. Do you have a guitar? Willingness box? to go out there. Do you have a guitar? Like,
1: you want uh do i have a guitar
0: no i actually don't have one in there right now you're such a weak ass motherfucker i was gonna i was gonna say we should collaborate and play a song together tonight what are you trying to play oh god i got a drum set behind me i can play the fucking drums oh wow i don't know any songs i was i was gonna say like some alice in chains or something maybe nutshell
1: Ooh, I don't know what that is, but I can play the drums to it. That's for goddamn sure.
0: You know the song. I'm sure you know the song.
1: If I hear it,
0: let's see
2: here.
1: Dude, I was meaning to tell you, I have another song on my EP that's uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's called "Oil Lease Roads," mm-hmm. and it's it's about it's about growing up in our area, dude, Bradford, PA. Mm-hmm oil lease roads
2: huh
1: yeah oil lease roads about driving through the fucking dirt roads of Lewis Run
0: McKean County now you got me wanting to spend all night listening to music no. <laughs>
2: Dude, I'm
1: having a hard time hearing that thing through these headphones. To be honest with you, yeah,
2: it's
0: not doing really well. Well, listen, we'll do one in person sometime, and we'll do it th- in that way. I think we totally should do one in person. Well, we, it might happen soon. sooner than later because my buddy Eben, Eben Britton, moved to Texas, and I'm talking to him about coming down to do one in person. So, if oh, I, hell yeah, there, we'll do it. We'll. I got to maximize my time, so we'll definitely link up, yeah, dude. Yeah, we can definitely do that. That sounds great. Appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, no,
1: thanks for having me. I always enjoy uh talking to you, bro. And uh, we'll have to do this again, you know, anytime you want.
0: Absolutely, you've come a long way. I honestly, from like sincere place, music is fire that song is really really good jake thanks
1: man thank you yeah i mean i'm gonna keep pumping them out i think i think that uh i feel i like my songs and that's the whole thing about you know songwriting as a whole is that it's subjective and it's not meant for everyone if you're writing something for for the commercialization of it that's something that's that's not what this is about songwriting is like a diary entry and if you how can you tell someone else that you don't like their own diary entry i can choose to keep it to myself but you know i'm of the mindset i created this and i'm gonna put it out there and because like i said my favorite music is music that has helped get me through very difficult times and if i can do that for someone else then I think that's the ultimate gift that you could give anybody in this life, man. So that's all I'm trying. That's all I'm doing is being myself authentically. You know, whether that's for better or for worse, I'm never going to apologize for it. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm going to write what I'm going to write. I'm going to do what I want to do, man. I mean, I am not here to impress anybody. I am just being myself authentically, and you can take it or leave it. That's my mindset, man.
0: It's a great place to leave this I don't don't do anything different
1: <laughs> thanks brother